Welcome to Tonia's Kitchen, where taste and nutrition go hand in hand. Here is Tonia King. Joining me today is author Bob Bradley. Today we're talking about eating Peru, a gastronomic journey. Thanks for joining me, Bob. Sure, it's my pleasure. Peru is such a magical place in and of itself, and I have no idea what to expect for the cuisine there. Tell me a little bit about your story writing this book. Years ago, I was a wine merchant. I sold wine in, in the New York metro area. And then I went on a non-onophile, non-wine vacation in Belize, and I watched these archaeologists working at a site called Zinantinich, and I said, I want to do that. And that led me to, I went to Columbia University, I got a PhD in art history and archaeology. And, you know, I'd worked in a very remote region of northeastern Peru, the Chachapoyas region, on a culture that was conquered by the Incas. I had difficult terrain, foot-deep mud, big mountains, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I would get some R&R, a little relaxation, and go down to the coast. And I still had that foodie side of me. And I remember getting to the coast and thinking, wow, this food's really good. How come I don't <laughs> know about this? Um, it was just shocking. And, and, you know, one thing led to another. I kept writing about, you know, ruins, anomalous ruins in northeastern Peru, which was harder to get published. A lot of people didn't, you know, wasn't very popular. And then I started to move into food studies. I married my wife, who's from, you know, the, the north coast of Peru, and I got to go to markets and, with you know, learn cooking with her mother. And and then I just started concentrating on, on Peruvian food and history. And, you know, I obviously still had the pre-Columbian background. So that's what, you know, led me to that. And I guess in a nutshell, Peru has got all these microclimates, which is amazing. I mean, for a very compact area, relatively speaking, I mean, you've got the second highest mountain range in the world. You have, you know, the deep, deep rainforest, the Amazon, the lungs of the world, and you have a dry desert coast. And off the coast, you have the Humboldt Current, which is this incredibly cold current that comes up from Antarctica, hugs the coast of Peru all the way up to northern Peru, then it shoots out to the Galapagos. And cold, dark water is what produces incredible marine life. I mean, Peru's gone to uh, you know, wars over their fishing rights, and it's the most prolific fishing ground in the world. So if you combine all these things together in the microclimates and the history, the fact that Peru has had population centers, I mean, for over 5,000 years. I mean, you know, anthropologists don't like calling them cities, but, you know, uh, large population centers, you know, on the coast for, like I said, thousands of years, which shows the ancient cultures and all these things lead to uh, a really unique gastronomic environment. So when you go to the markets there in Peru, give me an idea of some of the products and some of the vegetables and what fruit and whatnot that you'd find. Sure. That's a great question. Um, first of all, I mean, like in any market and I, you know, I started going to the markets or any new market I go to, I'm a gringo. And in Peru, Gringo doesn't have any non, non you know, uh, negative connotations. It just means a estranjero, a foreigner. So first thing you've got to do is the people have to know you're not wasting their time. And the best way to do that is spend some money and go back again and again and again. And when you go back again and again and again, you'll be treated just, you know, really great. I mean, because, you know, everybody's, it's business. And they just don't want to have people that are taking pictures and not, you know, ignoring it. And, you know, what you typically go to the market for, if I'm on the coast, I go for fish and I go to the fishmongers and I'm looking for the freshest fish of the day. 
Um, typically, even in these small villages or small towns, small hamlets along the coast of Peru, the fish is going to be so much fresher than anything you're going to get, even in a big city market like New York or, you know, wh wherever. I mean, the fish is probably caught a few hours earlier and is right there. So, so what kind of fish? What are you pick? Uh, what are you picking up? Yeah, no, that's another great question. Typically for ceviche, which is the national dish of Peru, you know, you want a firm white fle fesh, fleshed fish. So for me, my favorite is ojo de uva, which is uh, medusa fish. Um, that's caught on a very deep line. It doesn't have any pre-Columbian origins, although a lot of these fish were caught in the pre-Columbian times. The other one is robolo, which is schnook. Another one is linguada, which is flounder. That's highly, highly, highly prized. And, uh, you know, you go in and you get the fillets and, you know, they'll, they'll fillet it right there for you. I mean, there's Terminal Santa Rosa, which is this huge, almost truck parking lot where the trawlers come in and you can buy retail there. You can get any fish, no matter what the size, like uh, filleted and, you know, you get a fish head for making soup for about um, about two bucks. Wow. So it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just remarkably great. And then when you buy the fish, I mean, even at Terminal Santa Rosa, you can go out and there's vendors outside where the trucks, all the trucks are. It's like a big warehouse full of trucks. And there's people selling the other things that you need to make ceviche. And typically that would be limons, uh, you know, the, the Mexican limes, limon sutil, key limes, we, you know, we call them. So, you know, you get your limes, you get your hot peppers. I mean, for... Uh, it would be ahi limo, which is capsicum chinese, uh, uh, more like a habanero. And oh, you could also use ricotto. Ricotto is like a, it's, it's like a bell pepper, but small, but fiery hot. Um, and then you need sweet potato, uh, camote, and, you know, choclo, which is the big kernel corn, which is served as a side. And uh, then you're ready to go. And, you know, you just basically cut the fish up and add a splash of limon, mix it up real quick and serve it as quickly as you can. The whole thing that makes Peruvian ceviche special and the best in the world, I, I truly believe, is the freshness of the fish. So the whole dish depends on that fish being pulled right out of the ocean. So tell me, do you have to worry about mercury with the fish in that area? No, I... I I really don't. And I think a lot of that has to do with that humble current being so cold and strong. And remember, you've got the Peruvian trench off the coast, too. So you're talking really cold, deep water. I mean, it, it's 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 really a, a phenomenal place. I mean, so when you go to Terminal Santa Rosa, they'll unload the fishing trawlers and put all the fish in blue bins. And it's amazing what they have there. I mean, wow, it just absolutely blows my mind. And it's, it's also fresh. Do you have a recipe that you might want to share from some of the other food that you've experienced there? Oh, sure. I mean, there are, you know, lots of things. Uh, my favorite, obviously, is ceviche. But I mean, I also love lomo saltado. And lomo saltado is uh, basically a Peruvian hamburger. I mean, any bus station or train, well, there's not too many train stations, but almost any humble restaurant you go into, they're going to make lomo saltado. And what it's a stir fry. And it's a stir fry that's served with rice and potatoes. And um, typically it's beef. I mean, uh, the beef in Peru can be good. In Peru, they, you know, a lot of times they'll use it's steak. So they'll use very good beef. Now, if you're in a bus station, maybe not. But um, so you slice the beef up. What I do is I grill it on the grill just till it's rare. 
take that to the side and you take uh, ahi amarillo, which is capsicum bacotum, you don't see that in the States and it's not yellow. It's actually orange. And it's a pepper that's used for flavoring. It's almost unique to uh, Peru. There, you know, that and Rocoto, I think, are the two that are just, you know, the, the symbols of Peru. But what you do is debane that, cut that up. And you, you know, you use tomatoes and purple onions, uh, red onions, and you cut them up and saute them with garlic, you know, a little bit of oil, throw in the beef, saute that, add some... Um, add some soy sauce, maybe a little shot of Pisco, the Peruvian, you know, brandy and um, some salt, you know, salt and pepper. You don't need too much with the soy sauce, obviously. And then throw in some cilantro, serve that on the side with uh, rice that you've cooked and uh, French fries. And that'll keep you satisfied. It's a, it's a really heartwarming dish. I make that a lot of times for guests and they, they thoroughly enjoy it. Your book, Eating Peru, really helps people determine what to expect if they're visiting there. You know, I, I worked with my editor. I worked with Alessandra on this. And what I didn't want to write, I didn't want to write an academic book. Being said, there's about 600 endnotes in there. So it's well-researched. I mean, if you, I, I love people checking my facts if you... If you think, you know, where do you get that? Well, I, I put it all out there. But I mean, I really wrote it for everyone. I wrote it for a larger audience. I wrote it for the backpackers that are going down to Peru. They want to have something to read so they can understand what they're eating or where they're going. I wrote it for scholars, too. I mean, I, there's a couple of questions that I put in there, especially moche ceramic vessels. Why are they shaped like that? Maybe it has to do with oxidation and long fermentation. I don't think there's been much ever written about that. So um, but there's a lot of little things in there, and I'd like to have, well, I hope everybody who has an interest or thinking of going to Peru or think they might go to Peru, like, reads the book, because, uh, you know, that's that was my intention for the, you know, for how I could get it out. Talking with author Bob Bradley about his new book called Eating Peru, A Gastronomic Journey. What a fascinating book and lots of great history about Peru and the culture and the and the culinary delights there. Uh, how do we find you on social media? Just Robert Bradley. I'm on Facebook. If you see me popping up, uh, you'll see me sitting there in a down vest, uh, actually chewing coca. And then on Instagram, I'm pre-Columbian Bob, all small words, 77. And what I try to do, like what I've been doing recently is I'm posting these little videos. So I'll talk from this office for about three, four minutes, maybe less than that. We are talking with author Bob Bradley about his brand new book called Eating Peru. So if you are planning a trip to Peru, you definitely have to get this book uh, and dig into it a bit. Bob, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. Sure. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast as we continue to take you around the world of food and wine on Tonia's Kitchen. 